Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. started looking at um, a new teaching series a few weeks ago, and do you remember that uh, Chris Alton, when he was here, introduced us to a new teaching series in the book of Romans, yeah. and he said there were three, three big themes running through the book of Romans, that of identity, that of purpose, and that of destiny, and you know, we've been thinking this morning, as we've been singing our Heroes of Faith song, a little bit about identity, but you know, I think the really important thing to to remember when we think about singing about I want to be a hero of the faith is that it's God who called those people heroes. They didn't call themselves heroes at the time. They were just faithful. They were just servants. But God, in his word, said these people were were heroes of the faith and and they're laid out there in the book of Hebrews. So actually, when we say we want to be a hero of the faith, what are we saying? We want to be faithful. We want to be obedient. We want to be full of trust in God. I'm going to tell you a story this morning, and it's, it's not my story. This is a story that Jesus told, and it's a story about two brothers. But I believe that as we go through this story this morning, there will be things that um, the Holy Spirit wants to show us and to remind us of and challenge us with. And so this is a great opportunity for us all, whether we're six or 66, not looking anywhere in particular, <laughs> Uh, to pin our ears back and listen to what God has to say to us today. And in fact, right at the start, I think we should pray, shouldn't we? Should we do that? So, Father, we want to thank you that we are able to look at your word this morning. We want to thank you that your word is living and active. We thank you that your word will make a difference to our lives today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will show us true things, it says in your word, which we can apply to our lives to make us good and faithful and trusting servants of yours. Amen. 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 So I'm going to tell you a story. This story isn't in the book of Romans. This story is in Luke's Gospel, but it links us very well to some of the Roman themes. On the tables at the front here, we've got various props, okay? various things that, we can, um, that might be useful in the telling of the story today. So we have got, uh, we've, we've got, some, got some masks. <laughs> we've got some very precious rings. Ooh. We've got some gold coins. Ooh. And we've got party poppers and party blowers. Ooh. And we've also got some things that people might have thought or said. Okay? Now, children, what I'd like you to do is, as I tell the story, can you look at the things on this table? And we've got a moo cow. And we've got a moo cow. Thank you. More of him later. Children, as I tell the story this morning, if you can see anything on the table linked to anything I'm talking about, I want you to pick it up and hold it up in the air. Will that be okay? Yeah. Okay. I want you to pick it up and 
hold it in the air, Naomi. See, I told you the toffee thing was easy. Here's a story that Jesus told. And he told this story to teach his followers about God. There was a rich man. Okay, gold coins. Excellent. Put the coins back for a second. More of those later. There was a rich man, and he had two sons. The rich man owned lots of land. You only need to pick the things at once. The rich man owned lots of land, which he farmed. He had crops, and he had animals. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, that's great. Put them all back. Had crops and animals, and he employed lots of people to help him on his farm. The rich man was kind and loving, and he loved his two sons very much indeed. The two sons, they knew the truth about their father, because it was just obvious to them that he was a rich and a wealthy man. They could look out of the window, and as far as I could see were his fields and all the stuff he owned. And they knew that he took great care to see that everything on his land grew and flourished. And, he, and they knew that the fair way that he looked after the people he employed was, was, was really good to see, and it was good and kind. And yet, despite knowing that his father was good and kind, and in spite of seeing all the evidence of the father's wealth, the younger son dreamed of being somewhere else. You see, he'd heard of people who went to wild parties. <laughs> okay, excellent party poppers and streamers. Put us down for a second. Nice, okay. Went to wild parties. He'd heard about people who had lots of cash. And he thought to himself, how nice that would be for him. In fact, his daydreaming became an idea. And his idea became a plan. <laughs> okay, hold it up so everyone can see. His idea became a plan. And, uh, and his plan became the thing that he thought about all the time, all day, every day. You know how that can be sometimes, don't you? When you get an idea into your mind and you can't get it out of your mind. Sometimes it's an idea that you know is not very helpful for you, but all the same, it's still whirring away in your mind. And you can get a little bit obsessed by it. It's all you ever think about all the time. In fact, he thought about his plans so much that his mind became dark and confused. And eventually, this younger son, he said to his father, Father, we, we know that everything you own will be shared by my brother and myself when you've died. But please, please can you give me what I want right now. Turn it around so everyone can see. Give me what I want. I want my share, he said. I know just what I'm going to do. Excellent. Thank you. You can pop this back. Do you think this young son was making a wise choice? No. no. Who said that? Tilly? 
You know, you, yeah, you've got to be quick. You've got to be quick, Bobby. Come on. Yeah. Tilly's there like a coiled spring. We need to... It wasn't a good decision. The kind father could see that his son was not making a wise choice. In fact, he thought the young son's dream was a really foolish idea. And he warned his son about the party life that he'd become so obsessed with. And he said it wouldn't bring him happiness. He might enjoy it for a little while, but it wouldn't be good in the long term. But the young son, despite knowing deep down that what his father said was true, he was prepared to swap the father's truth for this lie. And it's a lie that said, you know best. The party life where you can please yourself is just for you. Was he making a wise choice? No! Bobby. That was definitely, definitely Bobby. The kind father was really sad. But his young son was insistent. And therefore the father allowed him to do as he asked. He divided his wealth between the older son and the younger son. And the younger brother, after a few days, packed up his kit... And off he went down the road. He left home heading for a life full of parties and a life full of pleasing yourself and a life full of pursuing what he thought was good for him because he'd had this plan. In fact, the young son went quite a long way away from home and he settled down in another country altogether and set about living his... We better do another party. His party life. Any party things? Party life. Okay, we're just making sure we're still, we're still awake here. Set about, thank you, set about living his party life. He spent his money, let's sit down. He spent his money. He treated his new friends to lots and lots of things. And he threw himself the most enormous parties. He didn't look after the money that his father had given to him. In fact, he didn't look after it very well at all. Thank you. He wasted the money. He made some really foolish decisions. And he lived a wild and a crazy life. And his mind really had become dark and confused. He made bad decision after bad decision. And, you know, very soon he started to run out of money. After he had spent absolutely everything he had, there was a very bad famine in the land. What happens when there's a famine? Not a lot of food, absolutely. Excellent. There was not a lot of food. Uh, that often happened when, when the rain stopped falling and the crops stopped growing, and therefore there wasn't enough food. And then the, the land that this younger son was living in, there was not enough food. There was a bad famine. And he couldn't afford to live the party life that he'd set out to anymore. In fact, he got so desperate because he'd run out of all his money that he took any job he could. <laughs> We're not on that. Wait for it. Wait for it. He took any job he could. In fact, he took the job that nobody else wanted to have. He decided that the only job he could find that would earn him some money was looking after pigs in a field. Okay, now we can have some pigs in a field. He's put the pig masks on. There we are. Let's turn around and let everybody see. Okay. 
the young son would try to earn a few pennies looking after pigs in a field. Okay, you can put the pig masks down for now. And, you know, the pigs that he was looking after in the field were smelly and, and muddy. And, uh, and they were starving as well. They weren't nice and clean and pink like pepper. They were, they were proper stinky, nasty pigs. And it wasn't a very jo- good job at all he, he had. And in fact, he took that job because he was really desperate. And he was really sad. And he was really hungry. In fact, he got so hungry sometimes, he looked at the little bit of food that was being given to the pigs and he thought, I really kind of fancy that for myself. That looks really good to me. Who wants to eat pig food? Yeah, not us. (laughs) Woody says he'll try it, but the rest of us, no. (laughs) And as he sat there, and he was sad, and he was lonely, and he was hungry, his mind went back to his father, who he'd left behind. And he remembered all the kind things his father had said to him. He remembered how his father was good and kind and loving. And he even thought about how it was that the people that his father employed on the farm enjoyed a much better life than he did. How even his father's servants, their tummies were full because they were being fed and looked after well by the father. And there was he looking after pigs in a field and getting tempted by pig food. Excellent. Pig, pig masks down. Pig masks can come out again in a minute. Okay, there'll be another moment for pigs. He thought to himself, what a stupid thing I've done. What a stupid thing I've done. Here am I, he thought, starving to death. And everyone in my father's house is so well looked after. And he came to his senses. Do you know what that means? What does it mean when you come to your senses? Go on. Go have a go. What do you think it means? About you. Oh, he gets his... um Senses back. Yeah, sort, sort of. Gets his senses back. What could it mean? There's four senses. Yeah, there are four senses and the other one as well. And, um, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, he kind of woke up. He woke up. He thought, wow, how stupid I've been. He came to his senses. That's what we mean when we use that, that little phrase. And he made a decision. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to go back to where I came from and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've done wrong by you. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I know that you were so upset when I left you. Nowadays, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But maybe you could just let me stay here as one of your servants, as one of the people you employ. And so he got up and left his lonely and sad and hungry life and he set out back to the country he'd come from. Well, the young son, he was quite a long way away from home but definitely heading in the right direction when he saw something that really surprised him. You see, his father had been looking out the window. His father had been looking out the window a lot. 
his father was looking to the day when his son was going to come home. And in one of these moments, the father was looking out the window and he saw right in the distance someone walking down the track. And he thought to himself, he thought to himself, who could this be? And we, we know who it was, don't we? <laughs> it was the son. Okay, it was the son. Okay, it was, it was the younger son. There we are. Everyone, everyone's got a sweep. Okay. It was the young son. He was coming back down the track. And the, and the father didn't just wait in the house. The father didn't just wait in the house for his son to arrive. What do you think he did? He ran. He ran. Are you going to help yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to tell you what happened again for all the people, Bobby, who don't know what happened next. Okay. His father saw him coming and he ran. He ran like the wind. He ran down the path as fast as he could. And it was true, it was his son. And he got to his son and he did that thing that's really embarrassing when you're a son, but is great when you're a father. And he took his son in his arms and he kissed him and he embraced him and he said, it is so good to see you, son, is what he said. The young son, he was really, really shocked. And uh, he decided that that was the moment to clear his throat and say the speech that he'd been practising for a few days. So he, uh, he threw his father off and, <clears throat> father, I've done wrong by you, he said. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I know that you were so upset when I left you. And now that I'm back, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son like before. But perhaps you could let me stay here and I'll be like one of your servants. But the kind and loving father said to his servants, Quick! Find the best clothes for my son and give them to him. Put a ring on his finger. Excellent. If you've got a ring and can put it on your finger, you can do that right now and just just show everybody. If you can't get it off, then uh, see your parents. (laughs) Put a ring on your finger and put fresh shoes on his feet. Okay, You can sit down again. You can take, take the rings with you. The father said that he wanted the son to be treated in the best possible way, not in the worst possible way. In fact, he said something else. Bring the fattened cow. Whoa! Okay. We knew the fattened cow was going to come in useful, didn't we? Bring the fattened cow. And kill it. Poor fattened cow. (laughs) Because his father said, we're going to celebrate tonight with a great roast beef dinner. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. There'll be a a moment. There'll be a moment. Okay. Nearly, 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 nearly. Wait for it, wait for it. Because the father said something else first. He said, we're going to celebrate tonight with a great roast beef dinner. This young son of mine, he was dead and is now alive. He was lost, but is now found. 
and they began to celebrate. They had a real party. Now, what I need is you to get your party poppers and to get your blowers. And when I read that sentence again, hey, and when I, when I count down to three, we're going to have a real party. Is that okay? Ready? Everyone set? Don't point at people's faces, especially mine. Okay? They began to celebrate. They had a real party. One, two, three. Wow. Okay, let's take our seats again. Okay, kids, let's take our seats. Nothing could possibly have gone wrong here. Okay, we're going we're gonna to put down the blowers for now, okay? Because there's a bit more, there's a bit more to this story this morning. You see, the thing about the son being dead and being alive again and being lost and being now found, that's a brilliant story, isn't it? Yeah. It is a brilliant story. But, you know, it's not the end of the story that Jesus told. He told some more story. Okay. Because he said this, Meanwhile, the older son, who had been with his father all the time, he was out in the fields at work. And at the end of the day, when he came near to the house, he heard music and he saw people dancing and celebrating. And he didn't know what was going on. So he, he asked some of the servants there, he said, what, what's going on? What's all the noise? What's the party for? And the servant said, it's your young brother. He's come home. And your father's ordered this enormous celebration. And in fact, we're going to have a roast beef dinner tonight to celebrate. The older brother, he thought about this. And he became, he became angry. He said, that's not fair. Yay! He said, that's not fair. He didn't like the fact that his father was celebrating the return of his naughty, wicked younger brother who'd run off, taken half his father's money, disgraced the family name. And uh, he said to his father, this isn't fair at all. All these years I have been slaving away from, for you. I've been here all the time obeying your rules, doing exactly what it was you told me to do, unlike my younger brother. He said, Father, you and I, we had a special relationship. I was always here for you. My younger brother should be looking up to me as an example of what an upstanding citizen should be. But no, he's come home after wasting all this money and disgracing the family name, and you have thrown the most enormous party to celebrate the fact. It's not fair. You know, his father said, my son... <laughs> It's not fair. It's not fair. But the father said, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive, alive again. Your alive was really loud, so you can have a sweet. And he was lost, but he's now found. Okay, there are a few, there are a few this way and there are a few that way. Excellent. Great. Okay, we're going to sit back down on the benches and on the chairs now, if that's okay. Because that was the whole of the story that Jesus told. Sometimes when we read this story, and we'll have it 
um, set out in a storybook for us. It's called the, the parable of the prodigal son. It talks about just one son. But actually, the story that Jesus told was a story about two sons. There was a younger brother and there was an older brother. If we've been reading Romans chapter 1 and 2 over the last couple of weeks, and if we've been following the reading plan, I really hope you have been reading Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's not been complicated enough to get lost yet. Okay, Week 1, chapter 1, week 2, chapter 2. You'll have noticed that Paul sets out before us almost the same two people as were in the story that Jesus told, and the one that I've just told us this morning. Let me read Romans chapter 1 and a little chunk from verse 18 and see if we can recognise the younger son in these words. This is what Romans chapter 1 says. But God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. For they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created... People have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools, and instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. (laughs) We've finished that bit now. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. And that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarrelling, deception, malicious behaviour and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning (coughs) and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse still, they encourage others to do them too. You can see, can't you, Romans 1 is like people who are like the younger brother in that story that we told. Lost, condemned by their own actions. We could say that they are people who are 
committing the type of sin that everyone thinks of as sin, being very obviously sinful. The young brother is disobedient. He wasted his father's goodness and kindness, was totally materialistic, and was living a life that was all about himself. But, you know, we said that's only half the story, didn't we? In the story we told, there was an older brother too. He's obedient and compliant with everything the father says. But the point in the story is that both their attitudes are wrong. They're both lost and they both need salvation. So we turn, so we turn to Romans 2, Romans 2 and we, we read about the older brother type. Where God says, you people, you're trying hard to be good. You think that God owes you one because you're better than the obviously sinful other people. But listen in Romans 2 to, to what Paul writes. Romans 2, I'm going to read from verse 1, another few verses. And this is writing to older brother types. You may think that you can condemn such people, such people being the obviously sinful younger brother types. But you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God, in his justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up a terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honour and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger on wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of doing what is evil. Sorry, live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honour and peace from God for all who do good for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favouritism. And this is it. Paul says to the older brother types, you are just the same. In verse 5 of Romans chapter 2, where Paul says, but because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, and some translations say, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, um, some, of that, some of that translation is kind of lost when it gets translated back into English. The, the phrase that Paul uses, and, and actually the, the word that's written in, in Greek originally, talks about a stubbornness to do with idolatry. It's an I, I, idolatry kind of stubbornness. Idolatry is when you're worshipping something instead of God, putting something higher than God in your life. And Paul is describing these older brother types as being people who are actually idolatrous on the inside. While religious obedience looks really godly, and it looks like your relationship with God is really good because you're going to all the right things and 
going to all the right events and saying the right things at the right time. Actually, if our, if our godliness is really just obedience to a set of rules without it being about a relationship with God, then we've lifted the set of rules higher than we have God himself, haven't we? And it becomes idolatry. It becomes something that we've put ahead of God. Paul is saying that religious people need the gospel as much as anybody else. When any one of us relies on something other than Jesus to give us righteousness, we are refusing to accept the gospel. When Paul wrote to Jewish people in Romans chapter 2, his words would have been coming to people who were very religious. The Jewish people at that time had, had lots of feasts and lots of festivals, lots of days to observe, very strict rules about what could happen on the Sabbath. Lots of things you had to do in order to show that you are lining up your life with what God had said. But Paul's point is, actually, if, if the reason you're doing that is just because it's what you do, and not out of a love for God, then you're missing the point forever. He says, this is the news. You're lost as well. I think this can be a really sharp challenge to people like me, and people like many of us here, who have spent most of our lives engrossed in church culture. Do you know what I mean? And we're busy doing stuff. And we're busy doing stuff all the time, can't we? There's always the potential, there's always a risk for the stuff that we're doing to be the reason for us being here. Not because we're here to worship God himself. The stuff gets elevated to a point above God. And the word says, well, if that's the case, we're idolaters. We've put something above God that actually we are... We're, we're, we're worshipping. We wouldn't say we're worshipping it. But by our very actions, by the importance we're putting on it, we're becoming worshippers. When we're serving, well, you know, serving can make us feel really useful, can't it? Don't we feel useful when we're serving? When we're leading something, whoa, that can make us feel really important. When we come and we, we sing songs together. Oh, that can lift our spirits. That can make us really happy. When we get together on a Sunday morning or in the week and we, we share tea and biscuits together, whatever we're doing, it's great to be together, isn't it? It is great to be together, yes. Always good to see our friends. But do you know, all of those things have the potential to be idols if we're lifting them above the place of God. So what does Paul say is the answer? If the younger brother types are lost and the older brother types are lost as well, what does Paul say is the answer? Maybe we can skip on to Romans chapter 3 because he tells us. If you've got your Bible, why don't we turn there? We're going to put it on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, turn to it. I want to really prove to you it's definitely there. Romans chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 21 and 22. Because Paul writes this. But now God has shown us, and he's talking, he's shown us all, a way to be made right with him 
without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Isn't that great news? Whether we're an older brother type or a younger brother type, God says to us, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That is the great news of the day. That is the great news of the day, isn't it? In the story we told, both the younger brother and the older brother were not good enough. They had bad attitudes. It showed differently, but they had sin within them, both of them. But Paul says about Jesus, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Many of us in this room have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We're made right with God. What great news. We're going to continue to worship now. We continue to thank Jesus that when we were lost people, he came and found us, just like the Father in that story. So why don't we get to our feet? I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then I think we can today worship in such a way that we are saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for coming to find us when we were lost and far away. So let's pray. And we say, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that even though none of us are good enough to know you as Father, that because of Jesus, if we come via the Lord Jesus, place our faith in him, trust him as our saviour, we can be right with you in every way. We thank you for that today. We thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way for us to know our Heavenly Father. What wonderful news. What wonderful news for us this morning. We want to worship you now. We want to celebrate. We want to party together because of the good things that you've done for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.